you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Um, Ricky uh, unpacked the end of chapter 3 uh, for us last week in the mystery of godliness and, and, and the gospel, right? That Jesus lived, uh, came to this earth, lived a perfect life, and, and, and was beaten and crucified on a cross, a brutal death. And he was put in a tomb, and three days later, he rose from the dead declaring victory over death for you and for me. That's the mystery of godliness, is that we put all of our hope and our trust and faith in the gospel. That he came to do that for you and for me. And so this morning, as we continue in 1 Timothy chapter 4, um, Paul's going to kind of give a stern warning to the church um, this morning, and so um, I want us to, to unpack this, but um, I, I want to start with this. How many of you are like, I'm a Disney movie fan? Come on, some of Drew, admit it. <laughs> All right, so I'm, I, I have kids, right? So I've watched a lot of Disney. Um, I've watched it more than I would want to. I've watched a lot of Disney musicals. How many of you? Come on. Right? Yep. A lot of them turned into Broadway. Now the big thing is all of them are live action, right? We're taking these movies and making them live action. I was not a fan, just putting it out there, of the live action of what I'm about to quote, okay? So just put that out there. Aladdin, right? I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of like 1994 cartoon Aladdin. But there's this song, and you probably, if you've seen it, uh, you recognize it, but I'm going to read the lyrics to you because I don't sing and none of you want me to. Um, and so uh, this is the song, A Whole New World, right? And, and if you know the movie, it's, it, it's, it's the princess, right, on this magic carpet ride, right? But, but listen, listen. I can show you the world. Shh, some of you have already started singing. I can hear it. Shining, shimmering, splendid. Tell me, princess, now when did you last let your heart decide? I can open your eyes, take you wonder by wonder, over, sideways, and under, on a magic carpet ride. A whole new world, a new fantastic point of view. If I'm caref not careful, I'll start singing, so I gotta stop. Listen, this is the, this is the key next line, right? No one to tell us no or where to go. Or say we're only dreaming. A dazzling place I never knew. But when I'm way up here, it's crystal clear that now I'm in a whole new world with you. Now I'm in a whole new world with you. And, and I read you that because even in, in 1994, um, there's this thing happening that's declaring to, to you and to I that, that what I feel and what I think I want, I should get. No one there to tell me what? No. Right? This is what the world, even in 1994, is communicating to you. Now, now fast forward almost, what, 30 years later, let that sink in for some of you that were like, Aladdin's almost 30? Yes, it is, right? Almost 30 years later, and we are 
further, we're, we're further along that path of what the culture is continuing to tell you and I. That your feelings is what dictates everything. That what you feel you should have. What you feel you should do. Right? We're further along on that path this, today than we were even in 1994 and so i read you that out of aladdin and i contrast that with this is that our aim simply this morning in our text for the warning that paul gives us is this the church is always responsible to declare truth to the world the church is always responsible to declare truth to the world right and in the culture that we live in, in this day of, of enlightenment and all of these things that we're having influence on, or having influence of, is it says this, is that truth is relative. Whatever you believe to be true, that's true. Church, it's not. I'm just going to say that with you this morning. It's not. The word of God is what is truth. Not your opinion. Not my opinion. It is God's word. And so as a church, we gather around God's word. And we say, this is truth. Therefore, this is what we will declare. Not my opinion, but God's word. Right? And so in 1 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 1, it says this. Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to, to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and who require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Well, let's just stop right there. So Paul's his saying, hey, as the Spirit expressly um, says, here's some things that are going to happen. Well, Paul has already said to the elders at Ephesians in Acts chapter 20. So if you go over to Acts chapter 20 in verse 30, Paul is actually speaking to um, the elders at Ephesus, and he says this to them. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things, to draw away the disciples after them. So, so Paul has already warned the elders at the church at Ephesus, who the book of Timothy is to. It's to the church at Ephesus. It's to Timothy who's pastoring the church at Ephesus. And he's already warned the elders, hey, there's going to be some people that rise up even among you that declare some things that are not true. I'm just warning you this is going to happen. So now he's telling Timothy here, how the, the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith of devoting, by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. That, that, that the first thing that we as a church have to do is we have to recognize false teaching. Did y'all hear that? The first thing we have to do as a church is recognize false teaching. Well, how do you recognize false teaching? You have to first know the truth right? Well, the truth is that you will be set free, right? You have to know God's word. That's where truth is found, not your opinion, not some article that you've read by somebody who you think is smart. It is God's word. 
In order for us to recognize false teaching, we have to know God's word. And so Paul's warning here is like, hey, um, here's the deal. They're going, there's going to be people even amongst the church that follow the teachings of demons. Like, well, what are you talking about? Well, here's the deal. <laughs> we were just having this conversation with somebody yesterday. Um, we oftentimes as believers attribute things to Satan and to demons that they don't have the power to do. They are not all-knowing, okay? They are not all-present. They can't be everywhere, right? Okay, those are things that are only attributes of God and God alone, all right? But Satan knows what's common to man, and he's gonna tempt us, right? So all false teaching, and what is false teaching? False teaching is anything that's antithetical to God's word, right? And so in order for us to recognize false teaching, we have to know God's word. But even today, there's people within the church, the, the bigger church, that we can say, hey, there's false teaching happening, right? There's false teaching happening. I'm, I'm going to say something in a minute. If it offends you, I'm sorry, but it is what it is, right? Listen, I'm just not apologizing. Listen, there's a guy about three and a half, four hours south of us that has a massive church, and he's on TV every day, and he has explicitly said, that they remove the cross from the stage because it's offensive. You're right, it is offensive. The cross is offensive to those who are perishing. You know why the cross is offensive? Because it convicts you and reminds you of your sin. The cross is offensive, you're right. And until the day I die, I will declare Jesus crucified on that cross. Because that is what is true. Because God's word tells me that him dying on the cross and going into that tomb and raising three days later is what saves me. And that alone. So we got to recognize false teaching. He, he says this in verse 2. Through the insecurity of lie, insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. Well, let's just unpack that for a second. All right? The insincerity of liars. How many of you ever known a liar? How many of you ever been a liar? Okay, good. Some of you are honest. All right. So <clears throat> the rest of you just lied. So look, um, <clears throat> here's the here's the reality, right? But he says by the insincerity of liars and and, and seared consciences. I want to talk about that for a second. How many of you have become numb to things you watch on TV? Okay. We got a few of you there. Like, like, think back 20 years ago if you're old enough. The things that were on TV, you kind of were like, oh, I can't believe that they would put that on TV. Now, fast forward to now, and you go, whoa, right? Whoa, time out. Okay, if you're, not, if you're not 20, like you can't remember 20 years ago, okay. Think back like, like 10 years ago, right? I, I think even 10 years ago, there's a difference. I think there's a massive difference in kids' cartoons 10 years ago than there are now, Right? What do we do? We continue to, mainstream media continues to do what? They, they push, right? 
they push and they give you a little bit more and they push a little bit more. And, and what happens to all of us is that we get seared consciences, right? Oh, it's okay. It's fine. Here's a tablet. Go watch it. I'm tired. I, I, I'm not judging you. Look, I'm a parent of little kids. I get it, right? But look, that's what we do. And, that, and that's what Paul's saying is that we, we get numb and say, oh, it, it's fine. It's not that big a deal. That, that little twist in truth is not that big a deal. That little bit of falseness is not that big a deal. And, and Paul's saying, yes, it is. Yes, it is, church. We have to stand up and we have to recognize it. And, and as a body of believers say, no, that is not what is true. This is what is true. God's word declares this. I want, I want to read this quote to you this morning um, by a guy named Carl Truman. Um, he's a, a theologian and philosopher, and, and he has written some phenomenal books. But listen to this. He says, The modern self assumes the authority of inner feelings and sees authenticity as defined by the ability to give social expression to the same. The modern self also assumes that society at large will recognize and affirm this behavior. All right, so I'm going to unpack that for you real quick. Ready? The modern self assumes authority of inner feelings. That, that the modern idea is that whatever I feel is true. That if I feel something, that is exactly what is true. Can you see this playing out in society? You can't? Can you see this playing out in society? What I feel, that's true. Yes, you can. Come on, church, pay attention. All right? Whatever I feel, that's true. Okay? We see that playing out. And then he goes on, he says in this, and sees authenticity as defined by the ability to give social expression to the same. That because I feel it, that's my true authentic self, and I should be able to express that to anyone and everyone. And that's me being authentic. So whatever I feel, that is true. And then I should express that, and that shows authenticity. That's what, that's what society tells us. That's what the modern self tells us, right? Okay, but then he's going to go on. Okay, that's, that's false number one, false number two, and then he's going to say this. The modern self also assumes that society at large will recognize and affirm this behavior. That whatever I feel, that is true. And when I express that, that's me being authentic. And then all of society should accept exactly what that is. That's what society tells you right now is true. And church, we are called to recognize that falseness. Because at the end of the day, here's what is true. God's word is true. Absolutely, full-blown, no exceptions, the authority of anything in your life is God's word. Not what you think. It is God's word. You gotta be really careful to believe everything you think. Because you will lie to yourself and justify so many things. What does God's word say? That is what is true. Not my feelings. 
Anytime I feel something, I go, okay, what does God's word say? Oh, wait, this is true. I'm doing, man, I'm doing awesome. I feel like I'm, I, like I'm on top of the world. Like there's an Imagine Dragons song, on top of the world, hey. Nobody, okay, my kids, right? Okay, but, but like we kind of feel that way. I'm on top of the world, I got this. What does God's word say? You don't. You don't got this. I'm not trying to be like, beat you down. I'm just telling you what God's word says is you're a sinner. And you do nothing apart from him. And you accomplish nothing apart from him. That's what God's word says. Right? But, but the second thing is this. Is it what we express should always be in line with what God's word says. What I express to the world tells the world about Jesus. What I express should always be in line with what God's word says. Like, well, I don't know everything that God's word says. Good. Get in it. Get in it. Dig into God's word. You want to know what his word says? You want to know what truth is? The only way to do that is to be in God's word. Well, preacher, why don't you just tell me? Because I'm not with you 24-7. And I don't want to be. Just being honest, right? Everything we should express should align with God's word. And then third, we declare truth to the world. Church, we, that is our sole responsibility. We are to declare truth to the world. Paul's going to go on and he's going to say these things in verse 4 and 5. For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. You see, the, this false teaching that was going on in, in, in uh, the church at Ephesus is they were, um, it was the beginning of what we call Gnosticism. Okay? Gnosticism was the idea that you should reject anything that gives your body or your mind pleasure okay that was the that was gnosticism so so if 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 food gave me a sense of man i like this this is really good you should avoid that at all cost okay um things that uh, there was things that led to gnosticism there's a guy who um uh, once sat on a pole for like 30 years a tall pole with a platform on top. He just sat there and he lived up there for 30 years because guess what? I should avoid anything that gives me pleasure. So I'm just going to avoid the world altogether. Okay? That's what Gnosticism led to. Okay? You should avoid all things that give you pleasure. Okay? Um, and, and so the, the teaching that was happening at the church of Ephesus was the beginning of this. That you shouldn't get married. Right? You should abstain from marriage altogether. And then you should avoid all these certain foods. So Paul comes in and said, no, this is what truth is, right? For everything created by God is what? Good. And nothing is to be rejected if it is received with what? Thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. No, 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 no. You, you, don't reject, you, don't, you don't reject all of these things that God has made good. Rather, you take them in and go, hey, I'm thankful for God's provision. I'm thankful for who God is. I'm thankful for what 
God did. And I'm thankful for God's word. And I'm going I'm to go to him in prayer. And I'm going to receive these things and glorify him. Because here's ultimately what Paul is saying. Paul is saying this. In the midst of all the false teaching. In the midst of what your church, you're experiencing, church. And right here, tune in. Because you've got to hear this. If you're asleep, wake up. If you're tuned out, right here. Come on. Listen, what Paul's ultimately saying to the church at Ephesus is this. He and he alone is where the joy is. Not in the things of this world. Not in the, not in the money that we chase. Not in the, the stuff that we want. Not in the relationships that we think so much are going to fulfill us. Not in the connection that we have with, with another church member. Not in any of those things. But he and he alone is where our joy is found. And if you were searching this morning for, for peace and hope and, and just to be fulfilled, can I tell you this morning, it's only found in Jesus and that is what is true. You can search all day for your whole life and you'll never be fulfilled until you take your joy in him. Paul's saying, hey, church, wake up. Here is, here is what is true. It is Jesus. And man, the world offers a lot of things for us to chase after, doesn't it? And it tells you, it tells you that your feelings matter. And your feelings lead to, oh, well, I want this. Oh, I want that. I want this. When the joy is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. And so this morning, we have to be willing as a church to declare that truth. as we started with a song of Aladdin I want to end with this because this is where truth is and this is where joy is and this is where hope is it's a contrast to what society told you in 1994 and continues to tell you St. Patrick wrote a prayer and a hymn and it just goes this way. Christ be with me. Christ within me. Christ behind me and before me. Christ beside me. Christ to win me. Christ to comfort and restore. Christ beneath me. Christ above me. Christ in hearts of all who know me. Christ in the mouth of friend and stranger. Christ and quiet and in roar. When society screams, it's all about you. Remember, church, it's about Christ in you and what He is doing. Let's pray. Father, thank you.
this morning for your word. God, I pray that you would continue just to work and move in our hearts and that this word would, would um, change and transform who we are. God, you are good and you are kind and you are faithful. And so, so Father, I pray that as we move into these moments that you um, would remind us of that. Father, we be reminded of, of Christ in us and that you are using us to proclaim the gospel to the world. Now, we love you. We ask that you move in these moments. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen.